It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. From Amari, Christian, Skyler, Caitlin, Nolade, Jordan, Antonio, Eddie, and the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and of course, today is Wednesday, which means armchair politics are two-hour weekly roundtables coming up next hour with uh, our roundtable regulars, uh, Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right. They'll be joined by um, the 2018 Green Party nominee for governor in Michigan, Jennifer Kurland, will be joining the roundtable this week. And we'll talk about uh, last night's uh, mayoral, uh, Mayor Neely's uh, first state of the uh, city message, and uh, lots more local, state, and national news headlines and current events, plus uh, some, some interesting quotes, and of course, uh, my favorite segment of the show at the end, the coveted X-Files. So be sure and stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we're going to talk uh, to a couple of uh, retired New York City attorneys who founded Luster.net. They're going to talk about some truths about older people and the pandemic. They are Erica Baird and Karen Wagner, and uh, they're coming up uh, straight ahead on today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. So stay tuned. We've got another good one in store on this uh, particular December Wednesday. Stay tuned. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner program. And um, there are, uh, this hour, I'm going to be talking with uh, a couple of uh, successful retired attorneys who uh, co-founded Lusternet, and or Luster.net, I should say, an online portal dedicated to redefining women's retirement. We're going to be talking about 
uh, truths about older people and the pandemic. And they are Erica Baird and Karen Wagner joining me by phone. Erica, uh, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom, for having us. Yes, thanks, Tom. Looking forward to it. I, I want to start out um, by asking how we're def- defining older people in this day and age when people are living longer. I just last month turned 64, and I'm clinging to the notion that 60 is the new 40. Um, am I setting I myself <laughs> or, or am I setting myself up for some disappointments? I don't think so at all. I think 60 is the new 40 and 70 is the new 50. But having said that, there's nothing wrong with 70 being the new 70 either. Yeah. So I think it's it's redefining age. How are we defining older people, Um, especially in this age of pandemic when we hear um, that that it's... uh, you know, that older people are more at risk. Who are we talking about? Well, as a matter of fact, that's a pretty good question. What is often meant when people talk about that is people over 65. Well, people over 65 can be 66 or they can be 105. And there's a pretty huge difference in those ranges. And in the last uh, few decades, people who are over 65 have a life expectancy of about 30 years. They're fit, they're healthy, they uh, are connected to the wider world, and there's no reason whatsoever to regard them as old or as infirm or as needy. So we're strongly of the view that calling anybody old or the elderly or however you want to phrase it is just a mistake and doesn't make any sense for the new population of people over 65. Kirk Douglas passed away this past year at the age of 104 with not nearly as much uh, fanfare as I think there should have been. It is kind of stunning, isn't it? But uh, he seemed young at heart even then. True, true. And But I think uh, there are a lot of news stories uh, over this past year that have been kind of uh, overshadowed by the pandemic. Um what are some facts uh, and and some things about age and the pandemic that that are true and what are some that are false? Well, I think one of the things that's false is that the pandemic is hitting everybody over 60 or 65 equally. I mean, there are people that have um, suffered from it clearly because they either have pre-existing conditions or because they simply got hit for one reason or another that um, people don't yet understand. But the fact of the matter is there there are many of us that are not succumbing to it so or not been affected by it. So lumping us all together as saying we're all at risk, we think, is a bit of an overstatement. It's not... Well, everybody's at risk, but we're like everybody else. We're all at risk. Well, it's like, it's we're not in- special. It's interesting. We're we're beginning to hear now that uh, uh, vaccines are on the way, but we're coming up on a year under the shadow of COVID nineteen, and we're still learning things about it. That is true. That is definitely true, and I think what we're learning is that it's fairly indiscriminate, you know, 
it kind of um, it kind of can affect anybody at any time. It tends to it seems to um, affect some people with um, vulnerabilities, but not everybody with vulnerabilities. So I think you're right. There's a lot to be learned. But but haven't haven't we um, kind of misinterpreted um, this notion that older people are more at risk from the pandemic? Aren't they? more at risk generally, especially if they have uh, uh, pre-existing conditions? Well, anyone with pre-existing conditions is at risk, and it is certainly true that as you age, your immune system does get less powerful, as I understand it. I'm not a doctor. But I think, for example, if you go on the CDC website, you will see that uh, the CDC ranks people in 10-year segments, and it is the oldest population, which is in the 95 to 105 range, I think, that is really at risk. It's not people who are 65 or, God knows you, at 64, a mere baby. So I think it's really quite different. Now, one way I think in which... Thank you for uh, that, Karen, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> one, one way in which I think um, we are less affected by the pandemic is that some of the stresses on us are less because, for example, most of us who are over 65 are not at home trying to do a job and homeschool our children. And the other thing that is true about us is uh, most of us have been through all kinds of stresses in our life, lives, both personal in our families or our jobs and in, in the wider world like 9-11. And we know that you have to deal with it. It will come to an end. You've got to be patient. You've got to live your best self while you're getting through a bad time, but it will end. And in that sense, I think older people, to some extent, are able to deal with the pandemic better than some of the young people who have not yet been under some of these stresses in their lives. I don't know who wants to weigh in on this, but uh, how did the two of you get together? And can you tell me a little bit more about Luster.net and how that came about? Uh, sure, Tom. Um, we were both practicing law, um, and we, early on, when we were baby lawyers, um, became friends. And part, part of the reason we became friends is we were among the first female baby lawyers that we knew, that were starting to break out of that mold of expectations that we were going to be little little men, little mini-me's. We were going to wear little suits and we were going to wear little ties and little shoes and, and look like little men. And we started <laughs> to, you know, we started to say, wait a minute, that doesn't suit us very well. Um, we're going to start wearing red and colors and high-heeled shoes and colors and we're not going to, carry your briefcase, we're going to carry a tote, and all those kinds of things. And Karen did that where she was at her law firm, and I started doing that where I was working, and we became friends. And then um, we retired around the same time, and we thought, oh, we'll do something new together. We will use all the many non-legal skills we've accumulated after all these years of our wonderful career and our PR skills, our writing skills, our communication skills, all that stuff. And we will offer our services for free even to nonprofits who desperately need them but can't afford to pay for them. And lo and behold, nobody was interested in us. <laughs> nobody. 
And so we said, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> you know, we're kind of, are we, are we something wrong with us? What's going on here? And so we looked at ourselves, we looked out, we said something's happening that we don't understand, and we started doing research, and we realized that what was happening was because we were now, quote, retired, which implies a certain age, and we were women, the combination was in effect deadly, that nobody was interested in employing us. They thought we were done. We, they thought we were over. We thought They thought we would disrupt our their workplaces, we didn't have anything of value, and we said, that just isn't okay with us. That's just not okay. And so after some time and talking to a lot of web designers and learning a whole host of stuff that we never heard of before <laughs> about social media, we um, founded Luster really to change the stereotypes and change the image and convince people we're not done, we're pretty lively, we're fun to be around, and we have a lot more to do. And I'm still I'm, I'm still wrestling a little bit with the idea of one or the other of you uh, wearing colors into court because all my favorite uh, <laughs> film and television courtroom dramas are in black and white. Ah, you're <laughs> hiding the colors. <laughs> well, it, and it just it just seems sort of shocking to me. Um, <laughs> But well, just just uh, just so you know, when I used to wear a lot of bright colors to court, and every time the court reporters knew that I was coming, they would make sure they brought their set of uh, colored pencils as opposed to the black and <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> We expanded their world, too. Oh, that's fun. Um but let's talk about some of these some of these truths about older people that you've discovered and that you uh tackle with uh, luster.net mm -hmm. um you say that ageism is uh the last acceptable ism yes we do we obviously everybody's very sensitive now thank goodness to uh racism and sexism and a lot of other things even uh, ableism and all kinds of things, but people don't even think when they say something, as we were talking about earlier in the show, about being old or being the elderly. What does it mean to say the elderly? It means something dismissive about a body of people that could be from 65 to 105 and that are just like all other people, actually, so that it's just a dismissive term, but people don't think about it. Now, what we think is that one of the reasons for that is that people are living much longer now than they did, say, 50 years ago. But the media has not caught up, and society has not caught up, and society certainly hasn't caught up to the idea that when women live longer, not only are they experienced, but they're also sentient and lively, and it's a whole new breed of people. But people haven't grasped yet that this is a new world with new people in it, and so they they keep this image in their head. I'm sure you've seen the ad for the woman who fell down and can't get up. And that's the image of older women. And it's just totally wrong. So we need to change it. More with Erica Baird and Karen Wagner from Luster.net. Straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs>
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing and jingle bell ring. Snowing and blowing up bushes of fun. Now the jingle hop has begun. Jingle, jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell chime and jingle bell time. Dancing and prancing in This is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com 
Alicia, Elena, Gabriella, Erica, and the Tom Sumner Program. Christmas 2020 may be very different than holidays of old. Christmas Eve on the Tom Sumner Program can bring back some treasured memories with an encore of our Thanksgiving 2020 show featuring all holiday music. And our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. Let the Tom Sumner Program be your Christmas Eve soundtrack streaming from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night. Simulcast on WFOV 92.1. FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy Holidays from the Tom Sumner Program. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom Sumner Show. More with Erica Baird and Karen Wagner from Luster.net straight ahead. Are we talking about the same people when we say older people or the elderly? Well, the elderly is defined as people who are old. And old is defined in many dictionaries as people who are over about over middle age, which means over 65. So you're getting close. Uh, but we don't think that makes any sense anymore. We think old means you're no longer a you know, a fully functioning part of society, either because you don't want to be or because you can't be. Uh, but if you're not at that point, you're not old. You may be 85, but that doesn't make you old or elderly. Yeah, putting it in another way, if you have another third of your life to live, it seems very strange to say, I'm going to be old for a third of my life. Okay. Yeah, that's that, that's. I guess that's kind of what I wanted to get at is... Because people are living older, and I know people in their 80s and 90s that run circles around me. I mean, they just have such incredible energy. The fact that people are living longer really kind of forces us to redefine what old is, doesn't it? I think that's right. I think that's exactly the point, that if old is going to mean or imply certain kinds of infirmities, I'll call it, right, that you can no longer do stuff, then all these people in their 65, 75, 85, etc., aren't old. They're as active and lively and with it and cool and all those other things as they were when they were in their 40s and 50s, maybe in a different way, but no less um, a part of the, the world. They're not retreating. They're not retiring. When I, when I was growing up in the 60s, I would have been shocked to see a grandmother wearing blue jeans. Oh, that's interesting. And That's, that's probably right. Yep. And, and it's so completely different now. Even leggings are okay. <laughs> for I'm for some. I'm wearing jeans even as we speak. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's partly because you probably would have been surprised to see a woman who appeared to be old uh, doing calisthenics also. And now a lot of people do. So well, I, I think, think the paradigm has shifted. 
yeah. I mean, the paradigm, Tom, I think has shifted away from old notions of old, retired, done, right? The elderly you know, as if uh, yep. everyone who is old or elderly is uh, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's shifted away from those that stereotype associated with those words. So we have to redefine it. And I think, you know, Karen and I think that it's that's true for everybody of a certain age, and it's particularly true for older women. Um, we do think that there's a slightly different attitude about older women versus older men, you lucky dog, um, because older men seem to still carry with it the notion of, you know, silver fox and gray hair in the room and, you know, sexy and all that other kinds of stuff. And older women seem to be, you know, kind of stuck in this notion of gray and dowdy and sexless and all those other kinds of things. So we do think we have a slightly higher hurdle to overcome than perhaps men do, although all of us are going to suffer from the same well, and it's almost it, and and there is there is kind of a gender difference between men and women, even um, in advanced ages. You just mentioned a gray fox, and and all of a sudden it went through my head that that a lot of older women, especially if they have gray hair, um, are referred to as blue hairs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and there's a whole connotation that comes with it. Um, ageism affects um, at least 600 million people worldwide in what ways? In exactly the ways we're talking about. It's that people write them off. People write off people who are, that is the population according to some places of people who are older than 65 in the in the world. And they just get written off, you know. Oh, you're over 65. You probably don't know how to use a computer. You probably are not going to buy a new car. You probably would not be fun to have lunch with, let alone a drink. And you're probably not worth my time. And it's just simply wrong. It's factually um, inapposite because these people are actually very with it. Uh, they have something that only old people can have, which is experience. But with it, they also have uh, their health, their energy. Many of them have wealth, and um, many of them are great fun to be around. So just dismissing them by calling them elderly or old is just uh, uh, ageism. And the, but the, just to add to that, Karen, for one second, the, 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 the problem with all of that, of course, is like all stereotypes, the the subjects of the stereotype start to internalize it. So if somebody thinks that you're done and you're old and you're all those things that Karen said, you begin to believe that about yourself. And that's where the real harm comes in. What are people post-65, for example, because people are working longer, um, what are they what are they doing with their lives that they wouldn't have been 50 years ago aside from uh, binge watching uh, Turner classic movies <laughs> <laughs> well these days <laughs> well i now, now i'm talking about that generally i'm not talking about that yeah. under uh 
shelter at home instructions. Yeah. I think there's a couple of changes afoot. Number one, um, of course, we're, I think, more active than previous generations. I think this notion of whether it's calisthenics, as, as Karen said, or um, activities, hiking, biking, whatever, um, I think that's something that our demographic is very engaged in. But I also think that we have, we're much more a part of the world. I think the prior generation was very much thinking about their lifespan is as I'm going to retire and then I have a short amount of time in which to play and take advantage of all the new things that are out there, the national highway system, cars that could drive me to Florida, you know, the Sun Belt, all those things that back then were new. And so they kind of said, for five years, I worked hard, especially the last generation, the Depression, World War II, all that stuff. They, they had some hardships in their lives. They were going to play for five years. I think the notion for many of us of playing for 30 years and doing nothing more is not how we're thinking about living our lives. We want more than that. Maybe we'll play some later time. Maybe that'll be the only thing we do. And certainly play plays a role. But I think we're thinking about how to live our lives and what our purpose is and how are we going to make those meaningful both to us and to others is something that the last generation may not have thought, of, thought about when they reached you know, their 60s. Uh, you argue that, uh, that boomers have skills that are helping them handle this pandemic. What, what do you mean by that? Well, that was uh, what I was referring to earlier, which is that boomers have been around for, you know, 60 years. And in that time, they've been through all kinds of things. They've been through 9-11. Now they're going through other things. They've been through raising a family, perhaps. They've had a job for 40 years. All of that gives you experience in all kinds of stress that you don't have when you're young because you just haven't had it yet you will but you don't have it yet and you know after the first the first cataclysmic thing that happens to you is the end of the world and you don't know how you're going to survive it and you know it's the end and it's all over and life has come to an end but then you figure out after a while no actually i'm going to figure out a strategy i'm going to get through it and i'm going to survive it and after you've done that a few times then you know you're going to get through this somehow. And what you have to do is make sure that you stay sane while you're getting through it, that you stay healthy, that you help the people around you, and eventually you're going to get to the other side. And, in fact, sometimes the other side is going to improve uh, the way things look. And so you just uh, you're, you have a greater ability to roll with the punches, I would say. And one of the uh, one of the bullet points on a on a release that that I was reading about the two of you, um, you talk about these these four truths uh, regarding uh, older people and and the pandemic. But um, in in one of them, you talk about uh, younger and older people having better lives if they live in the same communities. And I su- suppose you mean multi-generational homes, but but also maybe in the same neighborhoods. 
Yes. We do. I think we, we don't we think it's not good for people to be segregated. I'll use that word from, you know, old people over here and young people over here. We think we feed each other. And our experience actually is exactly that. I mean, I, Karen took flying lessons and her teacher was a young man. And I think he learned from her and she learned from him, hopefully. So she didn't crash. Hopefully. Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to want to check that out now before I fly with her. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> and, and, and I take classes and they're involved in nonprofit work with a lot of young people that I serve on boards with and stuff. And they are, I think, I help them and share what I've learned and how to navigate careers and all that kind of stuff. And they help me learn new things and challenge some of my old thinking. So I think it keeps you alive to and keeps you current and new and interested and curious if you have people around you that are not in the same situation that you are. And, 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 that, extends, that. and that extends beyond younger and older people to um and people with different genders and sexual identification and different colors and different religions. Um, don't we all do better if we're not isolated? Well, we certainly sure. think so, yes. And we think uh, we're both more or less city kids where everybody sort of tumbled together, and we think that everybody is much better off. When well, until you get to move off to the Hamptons. Until you go to the Hamptons, yes, which only COVID would make you do that. So hopefully COVID will be a short-lived thing. Yes. No, uh, actually, Karen and uh, Erica, Karen and I were talking about that a little bit before we before we started the uh, the recording today um, about being city dwellers and and preferring the city to. Totally. Country life. It's, it's, it's for, for us, it's easier to walk cities than it is country, but I know some people feel differently. Well, some, some people, you know, like to, to be out away from other people a little bit. Um, they, they maybe, uh, value privacy and and independence differently than people who like to be around a lot of other people all the time. Um, Well, that's for sure, and there certainly are a range of options between Manhattan, which is one end of the spectrum, and being out in the deep country, which would be another. So, yes, there's plenty of places to be, but in all of them, it's we agree with you that it's best it's more fun uh, it's more lively if the people there are all different kinds of people including different ages you know we've been talking a little bit about uh, discrimination toward older people and and how they are often dismissed but i i i'm not sure i could count the number of times i've heard older people dismiss younger people as mm-hmm. not being very wise that okay boomer thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I I think that um, there's certainly some of that. Um, you know, you can't deny that you kind of sometimes shake your head or everybody at some point or another shakes their head and says, wow, if they only knew what I know now. Um, but 
I think that generally speaking, that is not true. I mean, I, I think that when people think about it, they have a great respect, for example, for millennials, that millennials take, have a bad rap um, as being, you know, lazy and didn't work as hard. But obviously that's not even close to true, that the difference between millennial, that, that age group when we were that age is these guys are connected to the internet and their bosses and their work lives 24 7 they don't get a break they have to be on call all the time we were lucky enough and karen and i certainly were that while we worked really hard and sometimes we worked really late we then went home and people had to really think about whether they wanted to wake us in the middle of the night you know it was thoughtful and it was not frequent thankfully so I, I think, I think, I hope, let me put it that way, I hope that most people that are older um, look fondly on those that are younger, shake their heads sometimes maybe because, you know, they haven't been there, done that yet, all yet. But um, in awe, too, of all the challenges that they face that we didn't. I, I think millennials have uh, at least one skill that I've tried to adapt, and I, I, I wrestle with it all the time. That's the ability to not answer a phone. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm getting very good at that, actually. <laughs> it's, it, I'm, I'm getting it's not- there. Well, yes, my children actually are of the view that phones are not there for voice contact anyway. They're only for electronic contact, so they never answer the phone. So that's, which sometimes is annoying, but they've taught me that, that you can let it just ring and ignore it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I started out on telephones at a, at a time when there were no, there was no voicemail, there were no recording devices, mm-hmm. and uh, if you didn't answer a phone, you missed a call. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. That was uh, also when there were no phones you could take with you. So if you weren't where your phone was, you would also miss the call. Except for that one phone in the kitchen with the really long cord. <laughs> long cord. <laughs> <laughs> and the closet exactly. nearby that you sat in from time to time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah there, you, there you go. Um, yeah. And and this, some of those things actually were important parts of life in those days, um, much as uh, the ability to talk face-to-face over the Internet is now. I think that's true. I mean, everything has, you know, everything is so different now. I think the one thing that I'm glad about that when we were growing up was how face-to-face, how you really got to know somebody, even over the phone, that you had the time and you took the time to actually ask questions and, and know something about somebody. And I think part of the problem with electronic communication when it's just electronic is that you don't really take that time. It's hard to know somebody electronically. Well, and I, think I know a, you have friends electronically, but I, but I, I don't think of those. I, I, I'm not sure that the... Uh, uh, Zoom meetings that we've become so familiar with during uh, COVID-19 this past year is um, completely effective in allowing people the way they might have in meetings and personal conferences been able to read body language. Totally agree. 
think that's it, very it, true. And and it's that's a, it's a substitute, but not but not a not a perfect one. And and we're I can't believe how fast this time is is going, but um, I I I do want to take a minute to talk about um, quote older people and tech technology. Um, older people have been sort of characterized as you know somebody with a, a video cassette player in their living room <laughs> blinking 12 um and, <laughs> and 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 not being very tech friendly but yet big strides have been made during 2020 in terms of adjusting to and adapting to new technologies it's not brand new for people my age and some older, but more people are embracing technology than had before COVID. Well, it's certainly true that technology has adapted. I guess I would say two things about it, too. One is that uh, and most of us who worked, obviously, we did not have technology when we started, but by the time we ended, by the time we retired, we learned a lot about technology. So to portray us as technologically ignorant is, has never been true. And the, on the flip side of it, the people who design things usually are young men, and they are designing what they think is really a good thing for young men, but it doesn't always make sense for everybody else. So it's another area in which we think there should be intergenerational involvement because – for example, I'm not a gamer. My son is. And we have, we approach technology differently, but it doesn't mean one of us is smarter than the other. But finally, yes, when you're under pressure like COVID, then tech shows a great ability to adapt and to be helpful. And for that, we're grateful. It's had me looking back at uh, the Spanish flu in 1918 and trying to imagine they had a lot of the same uh shelter-at-home sorts of guidelines set out and meeting places were closed and churches and restaurants and schools and stuff were closed. And I was trying to imagine how people um, were able to, mm -hmm. to deal with the, the boredom and being cut off because we have so many communication uh, opportunities now that didn't exist back then. It must have been even more frightening. I thought of that too, Tom. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine being that cut off, you know, especially as you get older in community and being able to verbalize and articulate and share and all those things are so, or even more important. It's hard, it's, it's hard to imagine how that worked, but it did, I guess. More with Erica Baird and Karen Wagner from Luster.net. Straight in. The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. We wish. 
wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings to you wherever you are. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas from the Tom This is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. (laughs) 
from Haley, Alex, Alexis, help! And the Tom Sumner Program. More with Erica Baird and Karen Wagner from Luster.net straight ahead. Well, let me uh, talk about this uh, one last point. Um, you suggest that, that older people should participate in tech design, and I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm still holding out for a uh, cell phone with a rotary dial. But the... <laughs> um, but I just had this uh, a very similar conversation with someone who was talking about the same thing, uh, only for people of color. Hmm. And that a lot of code is written and a lot of software is written um, without that input. And well, that's interesting. It, it was an interesting conversation, and that's and and it caught my attention when you make the same suggestion about older people. And of course, I love to joke around about you know rotary dial cell phones and you know those kinds of things. But um, but the truth is, there are things. Um, bigger type is is sure. a, is a thing that you know. I I think anybody who has reached a certain age would say, you know, it's so difficult, you know, to, to read these tiny things and see little tiny icons. That isn't a sign that you're old, but it's it's one of the things that develops as you get older. It's you need brighter light and bigger fonts. Yeah, and your hands. I mean there there are all sorts of things about the way you hold things. I don't like holding this little thing otherwise known as my phone in my ear forever and ever and ever, right? I mean, it's just uncomfortable. So you can get all these devices to make that easier. But it's, I think there are tons of different things. I was just reading about a company that finally understood that they needed to get women, they needed to make tractors for women, that all these years they had been making tractors for men and the women farmers couldn't reach the pedals. And so we're jerry-rigging them, you know, with blocks and stuff so they could reach the pedals. And all of a sudden, you know, they woke up and said, actually, there are a large percentage of farmers who are women. So they, I I think it's stuff like that that people just have not. And high heels just wouldn't work. Thought about. (laughs) Right. Actually, actually, the same thing happened happened to me when I was learning to fly. The cockpits are made for people who are much taller than I am, and I couldn't see out the front, and my feet wouldn't touch the pedals. And the first thing someone suggested was that I wear high heels, and I thought that's a very odd suggestion. But in any event, I had to get some cushions to put under my butt and behind my back so that I could see out the front and reach the pedals. So the you know, is carrying a top gun. That's what they were exactly. thinking. Exactly. No top gun at all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think people do have to participate in design or else you end up with strange things and also you miss out on interesting new ideas. Well, I feel like we're just scratching the surface here, but um but it's a a a fascinating uh, conversation and something I think that uh um people should explore more young and old. 
I think talking to each other and explaining each other to each other is a good thing. You know, how we look at things, how we feel, you learn something. Both yeah. sides. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, when you suggest that younger and older people have better lives if they live in the same communities, I, I think that's really true. I, I think uh, younger people get smarter and older people get younger. Exactly. That's a nice way of saying it. Very nice way of saying it. Yes, one of our favorite expressions is that the young can run faster, but the older know the shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get there just the same walking. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and you'll be more relaxed at the same time, yes. That's, that's right. Anyway, we, we do have to wrap it up, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. I think this would be a perfect time to remind people about luster.net. That's, That's L- right. It's L-U-S-T-R-E, sorry, yeah. dot net. And you can reach us directly at info at luster.net. Well, Erica, Karen, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. Okay. We've thank enjoyed you. every minute, really Tom. It's gone, yep. thank in, you. it's gone entirely too fast. That is true. All right. Well, take care. Take care of yourself. Thank, thank you so you much. Too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Right. Bye-bye. And that was uh, former successful New York City attorneys, Erica Baird and Karen Wagner, talking about LusterNet. Or Lust, I keep saying LusterNet, and it's, it's Luster.net. But uh, talking about uh, the contributions that uh, older people continue and can continue to make and, and much, much more. Um, with that, we're going to take a short break. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. The 35th President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, had frequently demonstrated a quick and ready wit. But his audience at the 1962 White House Correspondents' Dinner was unprepared for the high humor he revealed that night. It was shortly after his now-famous clash with the steel industry, in which the industry had announced and then rescinded a steel price increase. I have a few opening announcements. (laughs) First, the sudden and arbitrary action of the offices of this organization in increasing the price of dinner tickets by two... by $2.50 over last year constitutes a wholly unjustifiable defiance of the public interest. If this increase is not rescinded, but is imitated by the gridiron, radio, TV, and other dinners, it will have a serious impact on the entire economy of this city. In this serious hour in our nation's history, When newsmen are awakened in the middle of the night to be given a front-page story... (laughs) ...when expense accounts are being scrutinized by the Congress... ...when correspondents are required to leave their families... 
for long and lonely weekends at Palm Beach, <laughs> the American people will find it hard to accept this ruthless decision made by a tiny handful of executives. whose only interest is the pursuit of pleasure. <laughs> I am hopeful that the Women's Press Club will not join this price rise and will thereby force a rescission. I'm uh, sure I speak in behalf of all of us in expressing our thanks and very best wishes to Benny Goodman and his group, Miss Gwen Verdon and Bob Force, Miss Sally Ann Howes, Mr. Reed, who has some talent, but... Uh, <laughs> and uh, Mr. Peter Sellers. I, I have arranged for them to appear next week on the United States Steel Hour. <laughs> Actually, uh, I didn't do it. Bobby did it, but... Uh, we're gonna... Like uh, members of Congress, I have been, during the last few days over the Easter holiday, back in touch with my constituents and uh, seeing how they felt. And frankly, I've come back to Washington from Palm Beach, and I'm against my entire program. I really feel that the only hope in 64 is to, uh, on the Republican ticket, is to nominate uh, Barry. But to be honest, I thought that before I went to Palm Beach. <laughs> we are glad to have the Prime Minister tonight. Last night he was the guest of the publishers, and again he is tonight. We want him to know... Uh... <laughs> How welcome he is. Lord Dunsany, a distinguished Irishman, said many years ago... To fight England is to fight faith. And I choose to believe in 1962 to be associated with England in a great cause is to be associated with faith. Prime Minister, we are proud to have you here again. We are... This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>